Well, good morning, church. It's good to be with you this morning. Pastor Josh and his family are traveling uh, back from uh, an ordination service, so uh, I have the honor and privilege of uh, preaching to you this morning and continuing on in our study of the prologue in the Gospel of John. Thus far in our study, we have been introduced to the Word and the light in verses 1 through 5, and John is now going to introduce us to the witness. We'll be looking today in in John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, and as he introduces the witness, we'll see that the witness has been sent from God to provide a testimony concerning the light that is coming into the world. The witness will end a 400-year period of silence that separates the Old Testament and the New Testament. During this period, certainly God was, was not idle. He was not sitting back and just observing. God was still active. He was still working out his plan through the lives of men. God was still active even when he was silent. And as his plan unfolded, it was now time for the silence to end. And the witness would arrive and raise his voice and announce the coming of the word and the light to the world. So please read with me John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, as we come to you this morning, singing praises, Lord, praying and and studying Scripture together, we pray that you would guide our hearts, remove distractions from our minds, help us, Lord, to focus in on your message that you would have for us today. We ask and pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So as we look at the scripture this morning, and as we see God breaking this 400-year silence, there's four things that I want us to see in these short verses that we've read. First, the name of the witness. His name was John. Second, he was sent from God. Third, he was not the light. And fourth, he bore witness about the light so that all might believe through him. So again, his, his name is revealed. His name was John. He was sent from God. He was not the light. And he bore witness about the light so that all might believe through him. So what's in a name? I'm sure none of us received our name directly from the Uh, Angel Gabriel from God. I know my parents selected my name. I'm glad they gave me uh, my name. My name is Matthew, which means gift of God. And I certainly am glad they gave me that name. Uh, When I was, my wife and I were having children and and we had to come up with the six names, it gets a little hard, right? It gets a little hard. It would be nice sometimes if we think that God would just send you that name and uh, you could use that name. But we prayerfully considered the names of our children. And as we named our children, my wife and I did that together. 
And we see the name of John here, when we think about the name of John, we need to understand a little bit about his name. Because God doesn't do anything by happenstance. God has a plan. God has a will and a way in all things, even things as small as the name of a child. So as we see in the description that's given here, all we're really told about the witness is that his name is John. So what I want to do is I want us to make sure that we're clear because we're reading the book of John, we're reading the gospel of John, and then we have John introduced. And John is not talking about himself. He's talking about John the Baptist. And as we read through the book of John, as we read through the apostle, you'll notice that he doesn't use the Baptist when he mentions John. Every time he refers to John the Baptist, he refers to him simply as John. And John, the apostle, does us uh, another favor. He doesn't also include his own name as John. He doesn't mention his own name at all. So whenever we're reading the Gospel of John and we see the name John used, he's referring to John the Baptist. If we look in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, or Luke, we will see that they do include the name the Baptist. They include that phrase along with John the Baptist to distinguish him between John the disciple, John who was the son of Zebedee, the brother to James, the son of thunder. And as we think about the fact that this name was was given from God, we need to understand that it's, it's important for us to look back. There's not a lot of detail necessarily given about John in this scripture, but as we look back into Luke, which we will here in a moment, uh, Josh Womble read that for us, we'll see that God gives John's father, Zechariah, the name to name the witness. He gives him the name John to use. The name John means the Lord is gracious. And through John's name, Through his life, through his ministry, and his message, we see that God is being gracious to his people and breaking the silence and sending the witness. We see God's graciousness in continuing to to, to fulfill his promises, and we see his graciousness as he is about to bring the Savior of the world, his Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for the sins of the world. Now we'll look at John being sent from God. So we'll look back into Luke. So if you want to go ahead and flip back into Luke chapter 1, I'll give you a, a brief summary of some things that, that happened at the, at the beginning of, uh, of Luke 1. So Zechariah and Elizabeth are, are John's parents. They were upright in the sight of God, but they're an older couple. And Elizabeth is barren. She's never been able to, to have children, and, and, and it's believed that she's past the age of being able to bear children. And as Zechariah is serving in the temple of the Lord, something amazing happens. And we're going to pick that up in verses 11 through 17. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. For your prayer has been heard, and your wife will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many 
of the children of Israel to their Lord, their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and this is disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So here in Zechariah's encounter with the angel Gabriel, they're told that they're going to conceive. They're told that there's going to be something special about this child. And they're told that the child is going to be conceived in the natural way. Now, think about the miracle that God is working here to open the womb of, of an, a woman who's, who's well on in years, a woman who has been barren and has been, has been never able to have children. But it's important for us to recognize that this child, while he's going to be conceived and he's going to be uh, the biological child of Zachariah and Elizabeth, he is still not going to be like other children. He's not just going to be an ordinary child. He is going to be great in the sight of the Lord. He is going to be set apart. And part of that being set apart is that he is not going to, to drink wine or strong drink. Some translations would say he's not going to, to drink beer, but he is certainly going to be set apart in the similar fashion that the Old Testament prophets may have been set aside. We, we might think about in the Old Testament of the Nazarite vow of not cutting hair, not consuming fruit of the, of the vine. John, in a similar way, is going to be set apart for God. And that set-apartness is part of what is going to make him special. It is, what is, is what's going to make him distinct from others. If we read down in Scripture in the New Testament and we get this description of John, it tells us that as he grows, that he would go out and he would live in the desert, away from other people, away from the influences of society, away from the influences of the religious leaders of the day. He lives out there so that he can stay connected to God and set apart from people and their influence. He wears clothes of camel's hair. He eats locusts and honey. And he lives out there in this way, preparing for the day when the Lord would direct him to begin his public ministry in Israel. Living set apart allows him to live a life that is focused on God. The other thing that I think is distinct that we need to also mention is that as he's living out there, it says that he, the scripture says that he continued to grow in strength of spirit. If we look back at what it says in Luke, it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. How amazing is that? God has taken an older couple who is barren, never had children. He opens the womb, allows them to conceive, and then the son he provides, he gives the name, and he fills him with the power of his Holy Spirit from birth. John is a special, special man. John is a special man. He fulfills prophecy by being born and by things that he does in his life. Isaiah prophesied of John. In Isaiah 40, verse 3, it says in Isaiah, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Malachi prophesies. Chapter 4, verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And if you look at the timing of when John is conceived and born and when Jesus comes on the scene, they're separated by about six months. 
When Mary visits Elizabeth, Elizabeth is with child, with John. And when Mary comes, John leaps in her belly, and the scripture tells us that he was, she was about six months along. How amazing is that, that we look back in scripture and we see before the great and awesome day of the Lord, God is going to send one in the power of Elijah, and that one was the witness, John the Baptist. And just like Elijah, John would deliver God's message with power and courage. John was not a great respecter of persons. He told the truth to everyone, regardless of who you were. He called out Herod for Herod's sinfulness in marrying the, brother, uh, marrying the wife of his brother. John spoke the truth from God's word, unashamed and with courage. But as special as John was, as awesome as all of these things are that that we've just talked about, we need to go back and we need to remember that he was still conceived from man. He is still the son of a mom and a dad. He had earthly parents. John is fully man. And while there would be some who would be confused about John, who he was, and, and, and what his, his goal was, and what his message was, John was not confused. John knew what his job was. He knew what his role was. He knew that how, how God was working and leading him in his life, and he knew that his entire life was to be a witness for the coming word and light. And that word and light is the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Previously, as we, we talked about the fact that, that, that he was born from, from earthly parents, that distinction is so important because the Messiah is going to be fully God and fully man. And as we see, John is not. He is fully man, a special man, a powerful man, a, God being, a, a God-fearing man who is who's being used of God. But we need to understand that he is man. In John chapter 1, verses 19 through, through 23, there are some people who, who come, some, some priests, some, some, some of the Jews, Levites from Jerusalem, and they're confused about who John is. And they ask him, who are you? And verse 20, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they ask him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. And so they said to him, well, then who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John does not give them a direct answer from himself. He quotes scripture and he says from Isaiah, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah has said. John knows who he is. He knows what his job is. He denies openly being the Christ. Notice that it says that when he confesses this, he doesn't deny it. He openly confesses it, tells them he is, he is not the Christ. He wants everyone to make sure that there is no confusion about who he is, who he is, what his job is. He is 100% pointing everyone to Christ. He is calling all people Make straight the way for the Lord. The Lord is coming. 
the one who is from God, the one who, is, who, who John is not worthy to, to unloose the, the thongs of his sandals, the one who is not only greater than him, but was before him. John knows his mission. And while he is in the power and speaking in the power of Elijah, he denies being the person of Elijah. He denies being another great prophet from the Old Testament. And as they press him further, John stops giving those short answers. If you notice how short his answers are, right? He, he gives them like a five-word answer to start with. And it's a three-word answer, then it's a one-word answer, and then he doesn't answer them other than just to quote Scripture. And many times I think we might be better served if we did the same. Quick to listen, slow to speak, maybe use shorter answers. Maybe just quote Scripture or prevent us from getting in trouble. I know that's true in my own life. I won't, I won't put that on you all. But as John knows this, that, that he is not the Christ, he provides those short answers. J. Vernon McGee, uh, in his commentary on this, says that John knew that Christ was the Word and that John was only the voice. Christ is the Word. John is the voice. And later in John's Gospel, We'll see that as the ministry of Christ begins to grow, John's naturally begins to diminish. You have to understand the tension of telling someone about how awesome someone else is. If John was looking to build an earthly congregation and he was looking to build a following and he wanted them to come and to hear him preach, his followers are probably not super happy about the fact that he's doing all he can to point people to Jesus. Go listen to Jesus. He is the one. He is the Messiah. And they will come to him in John chapter 3 with some concerns. Because Christ and his following are beginning to grow. John 3, 25-30 says, Now a discussion had arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan... To whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. And John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said that I am not the Christ, but I have been sent here before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. So John has the right perspective on this. As he sees the ministry of Christ growing, he says that his joy is now complete because he knows that his mission all along was to make straight the past, to preach the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as the Lord Jesus Christ came, it was only right and natural for his ministry to decrease as the ministry of Christ increased. John uses the analogy here in the scripture of the bridegroom and, and his friend to illustrate his feelings. John is like the friend of the groom. He's like the best man, if you will. The best man's not the groom. The bride who is going to be given away and married at the wedding does not belong to the best man. 
And in this in a, an analogy that he's giving, Jesus is the bridegroom. The church is his bride. And John is there witnessing their coming together. The bride is not his. The church is not his. It belongs to Christ. And as we see Christ followers continuing to grow and his teaching becoming more prevalent and, and, and more followed, John rejoices at the sound of Christ's voice. Imagine that. John getting to hear or being within earshot of Jesus' teaching and knowing that all along, all that he had preached, all that he had taught was so that people would know about and would be ready for the teaching of the one who would come after him. John was an extremely humble man, an extremely humble man who knew that his time was limited. He knew that his sole mission was to point people to Christ. And I submit to you today that that's not unlike our mission. Josh Womble prayed that in his prayer earlier, that as Christians, our, our mission really is very similar. We are to reflect the light of Christ. We are to point people to Christ not so that people would follow Matt McBroom. Not so that people would follow you. We point people to Christ so that they would know Christ and that they would follow him and that they would find him more precious than anything. And that they would be saved from their sins. That is not a work that a pastor can do. That is not a work that we as individual Christians can do. That is a work that is wrought by God in a person's heart. And as we teach and as we preach and as we witness, we're doing those things to point people to Christ alone. We're doing so for his glory, not for our own. We're doing so so that he might increase and we might decrease. John's ministry is extremely important. And we have to remember that as he witnessed about the coming of the Messiah, that he was not the Messiah, and that as things progressed, John humbly stepped back and continued to encourage. Because we know he continued to preach for a period of time while Jesus' ministry was starting, John was still preaching, and his preaching was, here's the Christ, follow him. My final point today is, is that John bore witness about the light so that all might believe through him. One commentator has said that while John the Baptist was the agent of belief, that Jesus Christ was the object of belief. And if we look back again at the end of John 3, verses 31 through 36, Scripture says, He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, and yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal on this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, 
but the wrath of God remains on him. I want to draw your attention to that, that last verse, verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. This is the gospel, is it not? John the Baptist, in his teaching, in, 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 his, in his ministry, is everything about him, is leading us to focus on Christ. It is calling us to make straight the paths, to prepare our hearts, to be ready for Jesus Christ, God incarnate, to teach us, to minister among us, to die for us, to be resurrected, to build a church for himself. All that John has done is singularly focused on that. And as he gives these words, he preaches the gospel message. So the reason that John bore witness about the light, the purpose of his testimony, is simply that, to prepare the hearts. So that we would have faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Christ as the promised Messiah. Faith in Christ as the only Son of God. Faith in Christ as the Savior of the world. Faith in Christ as the forgiver of sins. Faith in Christ as the giver of the Spirit. And faith in Christ as the giver of eternal life. Faith in Christ. And friends, as I said just a few moments ago, for the Christians, for those who believe in God, that is our, that is our mission as well. To share, to, to share the gospel with others, to, to see others come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. To minister to them. We are to do essentially what John was doing. Point people to Christ. We are to reflect the light of Christ in our lives so that we may be the light of the world, as John's gospel says. There is no light in, in, a, in a dark, sinful man. Our light comes from God. Our light comes from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that light that we have as we continue to study God's word, as we draw near to him, as we set ourselves apart from our sinful society, our light and our ability to reflect that light into the dark places in the world increases. May we too bear witness about Christ so that others might believe in Christ through our testimony. John was an extraordinary man with an extraordinary mission. And he performed his duties flawlessly in the service of his Lord. I pray that we would have boldness to live lives set apart for Christ. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for, for John the Baptist. We thank you for the witness that he provided to us, Lord, the witness that pointed us to Jesus Christ. 
Lord, we pray that as we, as we seek to serve and to follow you, Lord, that, that we would follow the example set for us by John the Baptist, Lord, that we would be bold in proclaiming the truth about your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that you would, you would help us to be set apart from society, set apart, Lord, in, in, in a way that allows us to focus more on you, a way that allows us, Lord, to be more in tune with your will for our lives, Lord, a, a life that allows us to be more focused on your word, a, a life, Lord, that allows us to, to continue to shine your light through our lives into the darkness. We pray, Lord, for your grace and your guidance. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.